The VPM Daily Newscast is sponsored by Kanawa Capital Management. Your financial life is unique, complex, and dynamic. Kanawa Capital Management's team of credentialed professionals has been helping its clients build wealth and confidence through personalized planning and informed investing since 1989. Learn more at cancap.com. That's K-A-N-C-A-P.com. I'm Benjamin Dolly, and this is the VPM Daily Newscast. It's still unclear whether Governor Ralph Northam will be permitted to take down the statue of Robert E. Lee in Richmond. A judge heard arguments yesterday in a lawsuit to bar him from removing the monument. Whitney Evans was in the courtroom for the hearing. Witnesses testified yesterday about the history of Confederate monuments in Virginia, including how they were erected as pushback against Reconstruction and anti-racist laws. A group of Monument Avenue residents sued Governor Northam early in the summer. They argue he doesn't have the authority to take down the 60-foot statue. And if he does, they say it will affect the neighborhood's historic designation and property values. The lawsuit also argues the governor's plan would violate a 19th century deed that gifted the property to the state so long as it guards and protects the statue. The residents say that deed is binding. The state argues it's not and that the statue is an antiquated racist symbol that's not aligned with Virginia values. Attorney General Mark Herring said the judge will likely issue a ruling within the next 10 days. Whitney Evans, VPM News. Richmond's 8th District, which encompasses the Jefferson Davis Highway Corridor, is the city's most expensive city council race. Incumbent Reva Trammell and progressive challenger Amy Wentz have raised more than $175,000 combined. Roberta Roldan has more. Reva Trammell has represented the 8th District in Richmond's Southside for 18 of the last 22 years. She's facing her toughest challenge yet from Amy Wentz, an Army veteran and founder of Black RVA. Wentz has been campaigning for nearly two years on a platform focused on things like equitable development and public transit. She's also managed to get more than 10 times the number of small donations that Trammell has. Rich Marr, an associate professor of political science at Randolph-Macon College, says a key question is whether Wentz's hard work equates to votes. You've got the bigger number of smaller contributions. You've got this kind of wave of progressive support. Are there enough of those people in that district who will vote for you that will overcome the numbers of core supporters who will vote for Reva Trammell no matter what she does? Even after two years, Wentz trails Trammell's campaign donations by about $10,000. Both Wentz and Trammell recently received big endorsements, with Governor Ralph Northam backing Wentz and former Governor L. Douglas Wilder backing Trammell. Roberta Roldan, VPM News. People in jail may have a tougher time casting their ballots during an election than the general population. That's because they rely on jail staff to provide them with online access and mail services. State law requires staff to make accommodations for inmates who qualify to vote. But Claire Gostanyaga says some jurisdictions make it easier than others. She says the ACLU expects sheriffs to make this a priority. And that local electoral boards will reach out and see that sheriffs and regional jail superintendents are in fact living up to that moral obligation. Inmates in jail for misdemeanor offenses or who are awaiting trial still qualify to vote. Many states, including Virginia, ban felons from voting. Yesterday was the first day Chesterfield County voters could cast an early ballot at one of four new satellite locations. At North Courthouse Library, hundreds of voters lined up outside waiting for the doors to open, says Registrar Constance Hardgrove. I've been here all day, so North Courthouse Road, we've had over 450 people vote so far today. That was around 1230. Hardgrove says based on the turnout she's seen so far, she expects up to 1,400 voters at that location. The other locations are the following libraries, La Prade, Meadowdale, and Ettrick-Matoica. 
Early voting ends on Saturday, October 31st at 5 p.m. For more information on voting sites and times, go to vpm.org elections. The Virginia Department of Elections has announced several upcoming deadlines. The last day to request an absentee ballot is this Friday at 5 p.m. All ballots must be postmarked by Election Day, November 3rd. Voters no longer need an excuse to vote absentee, and ballots can be requested in person or by mail. In addition to regularly scheduled hours, some registrar's offices will be open on the next two Saturdays. Early in-person voting ends October 31st. For more information, go to elections.virginia.gov. Virginia lawmakers wrapped up work on the state budget and legislation on Friday, but as Ben Pavia reports, it'll be several months before most new laws are implemented. A few bills related to COVID-19 have already gone into effect because they had broad bipartisan support. That includes a new law that limits the liability of nursing homes for injuries or deaths caused by the disease. Governor Ralph Northam is now reviewing criminal justice bills, including new training standards for law enforcement. Those wouldn't go into effect until at least March 1st. The legislature also approved a new budget, which includes a moratorium on evictions and utility shutoffs. But they'll only take effect when Northam signs the budget. And if he proposes changes, which he usually does, lawmakers will have to meet again to vote on them. That means legislators likely won't be done with this special session until early November, at the earliest. Ben Pavier, VPM News. The Richmond School District is using $500,000 from the CARES Act to expand mental health services to three schools with the help of local nonprofit child savers. Those schools are Bushall Middle, Carver Elementary, and Blackwell Elementary. Child Savers CEO L. Robert Bowling says the organization's services primarily serve minority students as the number of English learners in Richmond schools grows. Although 90% of the kids we serve are black in the school service, one of the reasons for going to the south side of the city was this demand that was coming from children who are Latinx and we wanted to serve them better. A total of 10 schools now have clinical staff through Child Savers, which offers therapy services for students and training for staff. VPM News is profiling a number of congressional races in Virginia. VPM News intern Connor Scribner has a look at the campaign for U.S. Senate, where Army officer-turned-college professor Daniel Gade is attempting to unseat Democrat Mark Warner. Warner has held the office since 2009, following his single term as governor of Virginia. Gade casts himself as a political outsider. He says he favors term limits for congressmen, arguing that the current system creates a partisan atmosphere in Washington. What's happened right now is that at least due in part to career politicians, and by the way, I'm pointing my finger directly at Mark Warner right now, career politicians have retreated into their partisan corners. And so what they're trying to do is get everything they possibly can for their party instead of doing what's right for the people that they represent. Warner rejects Gade's assertion that he's become too entrenched. He suggests that his business background gives him the skills to work across the aisle, noting that he's had 55 bills become law. I'm mostly proud of the record that I built as someone with a business background went into public service because I wanted to put points on the board, get things done. I think I've shown that from a bipartisan standpoint. Warner further countered by criticizing Gade for aligning himself too closely with President Trump on health care. In May, Gade referred to Governor Ralph Northam's mask mandate as tyranny and has praised the president's leadership during the pandemic. Gade has also said that he does not support the Affordable Care Act, calling it a bad bill. My opponent has said the expansion of Medicaid was like giving a cookie to a child. 
And if that child would then want a second cookie, I, I find that extraordinarily disrespectful to the 400,000 Virginians who got coverage from the ACA through Medicaid. Warner says Gade hopes to repeal the law, a move he argues would strip protections for those with pre-existing conditions and harm Virginia's most vulnerable. Gade has previously called a tax claiming he wants to remove those protections deliberately false and offensive. Any kind of reform to the Affordable Care Act needs to have a couple of features in place. Number one, obviously, of course, it needs to protect people with pre-existing conditions. And then from there, what you can do is you can use market forces to shape how people are achieving health care that is accessible, that is affordable, and that is high quality. Another area of disagreement between Warner and Gade was the minimum wage. Gade says the issue should be handled on the state level. He argues that allowing states to compete through wages would allow them to set it at a level that is both competitive and reflects their state's circumstances. Abingdon, Virginia is not the same as Fairfax County, Virginia. And, you know, Fairfax County is not the same as Virginia Beach. And so anytime the federal government is making decisions like a minimum wage decision at the federal level, they're pretending that Omaha and Dubuque and New York City are exactly the same as each other. And that is a ridiculous way to make policy. Warner expresses concern over the current minimum wage in Virginia. He favors raising it to $15 an hour over five years, though he added that it should wait until after the pandemic fades. The fact that the minimum wage in Virginia is $7.25 and hasn't been raised in years is a real disgrace. I think that you can't put food on the table if you're working 40 hours a week and you've got a family. Gade and Warner also clash on gun policy. In their last session, the General Assembly passed a suite of bills aiming to curb gun violence that Warner argues should become the national model. I think there are a broad set of changes that we should make at our national level that would improve gun safety. And that would include universal background checks. That would include reasonable restrictions, trying to make sure that if you've got a history of mental health issues or a criminal background, you don't have the kind of access to firearms. Make sure that we close things like the boyfriend loopholes so that if they're stalking their prior partner, you've got some protections. And yes, I believe we need to have a prohibition on assault weapons, weapons of war. Warner does not believe these restrictions would unduly burden Second Amendment rights, noting that a ban on assault weapons was in place in the 80s and 90s. While Gade joined Warner in lamenting the pervasiveness of mass shootings, he argues that the steps taken by the General Assembly this year were unnecessary and ineffective. We have the right legal regime in place to prevent gun violence, but all too often those laws are not enforced. So just here in Virginia, the Republicans proposed in the last General Assembly session that the penalties for breaking gun laws be increased, and the Democrats voted it down. And it's it's just absolutely amazing to me that you would at the same time say we have a a firearms crisis and on the other hand say, oh, but we don't want the laws to be to have teeth. On the climate, Warner says Virginia has made positive steps toward a greener future. He argues tax incentives should be used to spur investment in renewable energy technologies and helps Virginia can become a hub for both research and manufacturing. Gate agrees it's important to begin a transition to renewables, but doesn't believe they alone can meet the country's energy demand. He calls himself an all-of-the-above person on energy production and suggests that coal and natural gas will remain part of the United States energy mix. He also criticized Democrats for shying away from nuclear energy despite its low environmental impact. Both candidates stressed the importance of reining in deficit spending, 
though they disagree on how to do it. Gade believes a rising national debt can become a serious liability in crisis situations. He supports the passage of a balanced budget amendment and cutting back federal spending. Gade says those cuts need to start with entitlement reform. We're all familiar with the phrase bend the curve with respect to COVID. And what we need to do with respect to our spending and our especially our entitlement spending is bend the curve downwards. And as long as we do it right now, we can do it in a gentle way. But if we if we wait 10, 15, 20 years, what's going to happen is we have to we're going to have to do it in an abrupt way. And preventative care uh, in 2020 becomes an amputation in 2040. And that's a huge problem. Warner says both parties deserve blame for the nation's current financial situation, but specifically criticizes supply-side tax measures that have been promoted by Republicans. We are leaving our kids and our grandkids with a country that's got a balance sheet that's out of whack. I feel like neither political party has much credibility on this issue anymore, um, particularly when we passed a $2 trillion tax cut that Mr. Trump proposed that disproportionately went to people like me who were at the higher income levels. I don't think that was fair or right. Gade and Warner will continue to fight for Virginian support until Election Day on November 3rd. Voters are encouraged to cast their ballots absentee either by mail or in person. The last day to request an absentee ballot is this Friday, October 23rd. Early in-person voting continues until Saturday, October 31st. That was VPM News intern Connor Scribner with a look at Virginia's U.S. Senate race. You can find all of VPM's stories online at vpm.org news. This has been the Daily VPM Newscast. VPM. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR.